It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Howdy. Welcome to the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matthew Newts. With me today, as always, the one, the only, Joshua Adkins. Um, how's it going, Josh? We're damn near to football season. I know. It's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? Uh, rookies, at least for the Vikings report, uh, I believe today uh, for training camp and vets show up on the 27th. So uh, the, the wheels, they just keep on moving. And, and it's it's we're going to see preseason action here before too long. In fact, uh, you and I are going out to TCO to check out a, a training camp scrimmage this upcoming Saturday. So um, I'm excited to do that, excited to kind of get into a crowd, into an atmosphere with some people and see the Vikings kind of you know, run some reps and see what they got going. I'm, I'm excited to see Kellen Mond. Um, on the topic of being in a stadium, being in a, you know, environment, I, every one of these episodes here for the last, like, month, I've let off with some sort of soccer news. Uh, the soccer news this week is I got to check out Allianz uh, for the first time. Oh, for nice. those of you, For those of you who don't know, that's the uh, Minnesota Loons home soccer stadium. So I uh, got to see a game there yesterday. They beat uh, the Timbers 2-1, to one, uh, late comeback. A uh, really nice pass from uh, Reynoso, uh, one of our Argentinian uh, midfielders, to Robin Lude, and uh, Lude finished the job. So that was a that was a blast. The venue is incredible. Um, it seems like all we do here in, in Minnesota these days is build beautiful stadiums, and that's another one. Awesome. I uh, wish I would have uh, been there because that's <laughs> one one of the stadiums in town I haven't been to, so it's, I need to check that off the the list it's worth seeing and the the environment that was you know you know the atmosphere that we walked into was um really only comparable with with uh football sunday i really believe that you know i've been to the wild games and they have a huge following here in minneapolis obviously the state of hockey the energy in the building um for just a regular season kind of innocuous game it, it was pretty uh it was pretty cool and it was it was a enjoyable thing. So yeah, definitely go check them out. The tickets are not expensive and the the atmosphere and the venue is worth it. Yeah, I'll I'll do that. And for some stupid reason, I have yet to return to a sporting event. Kind of well, shouldn't say post pandemic, <laughs> but now that we're allowed back, I I need to at least go to a Twins game or something. But yeah, the the Vikings scrimmage uh, next Saturday will kind of be my first time back at yep. watching athletes live so i'm i'm very excited for that and um just with training camp you know starting for many teams we actually got a little bit of news now finally yes, to, to go over some of it uh unfortunate we can start with the the really bad news especially for dynasty managers and rams fans the the cam Akers uh achilles injury that was a a real bummer for you know all of us obviously and yeah um no one roots for injuries of course and uh but that being said we have to go forward and evaluate what this means for this mm-hmm. team, what this means for us managers, how we handle this, um, how we rank Daryl Henderson, how we still rank Cam Akers. We, yep. Why don't we just kind of talk this through one by one? Um, let's maybe start with Cam Akers. Um, obviously, this is a major hit to his value. Achilles injuries for running backs especially are very, very hard to come back from. There's yep. really, frankly, no – track record of anyone coming back from this injury effectively granted the list of examples i saw i don't think there was anyone on that list as young and as talented as cam right yeah so if anyone can buck this trend or this history i think cam has as good of a chance as anyone um i I, neither of us are medical experts but if you had to bet you know you're not giving up on cam makers right completely 
No, I'm not. And I'm actually not in any startups right now, but I'm kind of tracking one through one of my buddies who seems to uh, hit me up. Uh, Jeff kind of will text me every time he's on the clock. And I noticed he was available in the 10th round of an FFPC single quarter or a uh, super flex, excuse, excuse oh, wow. me, startup. Um, that seems like uh, the needle swinging too far to the to the to the other side here. Certainly, he lost a lot of value. In fact, if I'm just going to uh, you know, let people behind the veil a little bit. I'm I'm pretty cowardly. I just ended up sort of ranking Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson right right next to each other when I kind of adjusted after the injury. Um, so you know that puts him sort of in the Trey Sermon, David Montgomery, AJ Dillon type range. Zach Moss, Tony Pollard. So certainly a huge amount of value lost. But that's those are still all guys that make it into my top 30, even into the top 24 of dynasty running backs for me. So I don't think you should be, you know, jettisoning him for whatever you can get right now. I think that there is at least still a, you know, everybody hates this term, a non-zero percent chance that he ends up being the player that we all thought he was going to be coming into this year. Um, Achilles injuries, as you mentioned, very tough. I think of Deontay Foreman just making it back to the league and, and being on a roster is kind of a accomplishment in itself. I know the, the nerds talked a little bit about this the other day. Um, so yeah, I mean, acres, obviously huge value loss, but don't give up hope just yet. Now the hard part is, do you go trade for him? And I think that's maybe, um, what people are wondering most. If do you go try to seek out that trade right now, or is he somebody that you're kind of just, I guess, holding almost regardless of, of whether you own him or whether you're looking to potentially go buy. It's tough, isn't it? I, yeah. I mean, I'm in like 30-something-odd dynasty <laughs> leagues now, and I've seen one trade involving either Akers or Henderson to okay. this point. And I've yep. I, I've got shares of both, and I've certainly gotten offers on Akers. I've gotten offers on Henderson, but I don't mm-hmm. think people can quite figure out what to do with this information yet. Um, the My instinct is to say, hold. I guess, for example, the one trade I have seen go down is the Acres manager traded him and Logan Thomas for Trey Sermon. So that kind of had to been a kick in the gut for him. Um, But at the same time, I think if I were if I had to be on one side of that trade, I'd be the one giving up Sermon for Acres and Logan Thomas, because, yes, Yes. you're you're losing a running back for this year, but you're at least getting a, you know, a top 12 tight end to help Mm -hmm. you this year. And, you know, if you if you believe that Cam Akers can come back, even at 85 percent of the talent we've seen, I think that's a trade you're probably not going to regret. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't we move this to Daryl Henderson? So, uh, you know, he's a guy that I think both of us were buying a fair amount of in startup season this year. I was targeting him in trades in the offseason, certainly not because anybody expected this to happen to Cam. As you mentioned, nobody's rooting for injuries. In fact, I really think Daryl Henderson is going to be most efficient. You know, the efficiency we saw from him last year, I think, is a big component of being able to be that number two guy and come in when the defense is a little worn out or you can run something uh, more scheme to his, you know, specific abilities. So I, I guess I didn't, I, I don't know how much you moved Daryl Henderson. If you've adjusted ranks from, from, you know, before the injury, he really didn't move all that much. He's kind of right where I've, I've had him. And that was partially because I was, I think much higher than the community on him, on his overall talent. And frankly, the opportunity that he was going to get cam Akers certainly had bell cow potential, but it was never, you know, guaranteed. We talked a little bit about this this week, you know, off air. Obviously, the Acres news broke a couple days ago. Um, and what I really said to you is I expect that they're going to bring somebody in at some point, whether that's 
You know, I've heard Melvin Gordon's name tossed around a little bit. Obviously, Todd Gurley, there was some potentially bad blood, but that's a guy who's sitting out there on the open market. I do think they're going to bring somebody in. And what I said to you is all I care is whoever that somebody is, that they don't catch passes. And if they don't catch passes, I think Daryl Henderson is going to be uh, a highly valuable player, at least for for this upcoming season, because I think that's what he does best. And I think, you know, necessity is sort of the, the mother of invention. I think they're going to figure out a way, uh, McVeigh, that is, and, and this offense in general with Stafford and all the weapons they have, to make Henderson sort of fit what they want to do. And so I'm becoming bullish on his prospects for, you know, in a, in a redraft sense, I guess. That being said, I have a feeling his value is going to creep closer to that redraft value than where the dynasty share is right now. And I'm going to end up uh, turning a couple of these uh, Henderson shares that I've recently bought for a profit here before the season starts. Yeah, I think you're right on the money with that. I, if you weren't counting on Henderson, yeah, why not try and flip him now um, if, if it sure. makes sense for your team? Um, a little bit of optimism for people that are either looking to acquire him or just hold him and keep the found money for this year is uh, he graded out as the second best pass blocking running back in the yep. NFL last year. So I think it's unlikely um, the Rams being a smart organization with Les Snead and Sean McVay to bring in someone to compete with him with what he's good at. If anything, mm-hmm. the spot on this uh, team now that's a, maybe snuck open a little bit is the first and second down roll between the yes. 20s. And and quite frankly, if I'm investing in a timeshare, that's the least desirable role for me to attack. So uh, I'm not picking up Jake funk or the other guy that uh, uh, I can't even, yeah yep. Xavier Jones I'm yep. not too interested in those guys uh if they get some carries great um but I don't think it's going to be meaningful enough with any sort of long-term viability to where yeah on roster the only guy that I, I care about for this year is Daryl Henderson um and that could change they 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 see themselves as a Super Bowl contender I'm sure with some of the talent they have on roster yep so you never know what could happen in training camp. A, a guy may get beat out or let's say like Melvin Gordon, you mentioned, let's say uh, um, the rookie guy, I'm blanking on his name right now. Javante uh, Williams. Yeah, Javante Williams. Yeah, yeah. Let's say he's just a maniac in camp and, and the Broncos see Gordon as expendable and they can get a second round pick for him or something like yep. these things could happen. So don't go too hard on Daryl Henderson, but I, I like the talent a lot. I think at the very least he's going to have – 50% of the touches in this backfield. Yeah, absolutely. And let me just, so I want to ask you a sort of a macro question. Uh, you mentioned, you know, I don't, I want the third down passing role. And I think that's most people, when they think of that, it's, you know, PPR leagues. That's sort mm-hmm. of how I feel about standard or PPR at this point. I haven't, I really don't think there's a distinction, certainly more so in PPR, but do you have a, a sort of a macro take on that in terms of in standard league? Would that sort of mindset change for you at all? Do you want the goal line back more potentially there? Even? I don't like to I don't like to chase touchdowns because yeah. it's Fluky. so infrequent or it's mm-hmm. so weak. You know, if it's a best ball league, sure. But um, okay. I'm kind of with you where uh, running backs that catch passes are going to catch passes pretty much on a week in and week out basis. Yeah. If it's a non PPR yep. league, that kind of hurts a little bit because you're not getting those points per reception, but at the same time you're getting the yards that come along with it and it's going to be mm-hmm. consistent output. And um, yeah, I mean you adjust accordingly, but that's either way. That's the role I think I prefer. So how about the rest of the Rams offense? Do you see get your do you see yourself giving maybe Bob Woods a, a a bump due to potential extension of the running game type of stuff? Cooper Cup's kind of the same boat. 
Um, or is this kind of just a negative for everybody kind of across the board? Offense is less efficient, will score less. Therefore, right. kind of everybody takes a hit. Where do you stand on that side of things? Yeah, that's my general take when a really good player gets hurt yes. is I don't like to bump other people just to make up for the lost production. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to downgrade Cupper Woods because like I think you laid out a good point where their intermediate and short route running abilities, maybe they get more receptions but maybe it's less efficient so yep. um i'm not going to upgrade anyone I, I the really the only guy you can upgrade is henderson just because of presumed opportunity gain i i totally agree and how about stafford is pretty much a wash for you there too i mean he doesn't i mean massively affect stafford or do you, or do you i see you kind of uh scrunching your face there uh it's kind of my same deal with Cup and Woods. Volume goes up, probably efficiency goes down. Goes down. I, it's yeah. probably a wash. Okay, fair enough. Well, then I guess I don't have anything else on, on L.A. here. Obviously, just uh, a really disappointing injury for Akers. I think, Daryl Henderson, what are you looking to get? If you if you were looking to, let's say, get out, um, yeah. you know, and, and just real quick, let me just narrow down on that. I talked about I, I bought him a few different places this year. Um, there's a couple of them where I basically made RB2 my last priority. They're deep leagues. It's super flex. There's IDP. I basically just said, I don't care about RB2. And Daryl Henderson is the guy that I kind of ended up with in that role. So in a, in a team like that, he's now a piece that really just sort of vaulted my team up the pecking order a little bit. However, there's other teams where I just took him because I, I liked the talent and, and, you know, I liked the sort of potential opportunity but he wasn't a guy that I was really considering into a starting role at at least any time um, in the first maybe four weeks of the season. Now that that's kind of all changed, some of those teams are where I'm looking to trade out. Um, but kind of maybe what is your price if you if you kind of get that marriage of um, it's a player that I don't necessarily need and, and I want to capitalize on the news right now. What do you think you can get? What would you take? I think you're selling um, it a weird time if you're trying to sell today um, okay. i think he's almost untradeable right now because people that are going to want or like him it, they're just going to balk at the inflated price of sure. presumed maybe he's the bellico i i think if you're looking to trade him your best bet is to wait till after you know a couple preseason games when it's perfectly clear that what sure. they have on roster is what on ro- is what is going to be on roster. So I don't know. I, I'd probably look for um, a mid to late round first round pick in the rookie draft for 2021 if your rookie draft has not yet occurred. Otherwise, yep. give me a random 22 first. I'd probably make that deal. At the same time, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people that um, are going to make that trade I, from the other end. It's just correct. The, they're they're not going to be most people are just going to balk at buying high or buying on a value spike so it's right. going to be hard um you might need to sneak them into a multi-asset type deal well so often the premise behind trading a first round pick is this is the player that sort of pushes my team over the top therefore the pick right. will be later in the because you're not getting anything out of acres i think that's a very hard sell to make to somebody that you know uh, they're going to give you a random first round pick and they're going to get something that doesn't actually help them, you know, not make that pick at the bottom of the league. So I think you're absolutely right. Maybe the way to do this. So the 2023 class for running backs looks much better than next year. I think, you know, we we talked a little bit about Brees Hall, um, Isaiah Spiller. I'm trying to remember the, the, the players that we um, you did Zamir White. I think there's some good running backs in this upcoming class. 2023, 
uh, is really where we have another influx of, of big talent at the running back position. So maybe the play is to push that pick even one year further down the line where somebody does eventually get production from cam makers to sort of keep that pick from being at the top. I think that's a way you could sell it. I think you're right. Getting a 2022 first is going to be awfully hard right now because nobody's getting production from, you know, the time they trade for acres all the way to the time that that first gets cashed in, they get nothing essentially. And so I think that's a hard sell, but I think if you move back to 2023, 2024, especially in Superflex, um, I do think that that's something I would consider for Henderson. So, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, I, I, I had thought you had asked me about Henderson and you were just I did. getting I think acres I got that advice a little bit. Yeah, no, you're right. I did. I did absolutely do that. Yeah. Just Sorry wanted to clear that. that up for the listener. <laughs> my advice was for Henderson and yeah. yours was for acres was basically. for acres. And I have them, I have them valued side by side. So I think basically any price that you could ask for, for acres, you could ask for, for Henderson at this point right now is kind of how I'm valuing them. So I guess the, the line of thinking still makes sense, but you're right. I was supposed to be talking about Henderson there and I went with acres. Why don't we move it on? Uh, so the other big news of the week was sort of this Aaron Rodgers saga continually uh, unfolding. Um, yeah. Do you want to kind of lay this out or should I? Um, well, the, the big, change or at least the thing that was reported on a lot this week was that Vegas sports books were kind of taking the Packers future odds off the yep. book because they're the speculation that their inside information or whatever is that Aaron Rodgers plans to retire next week. And yep. um, obviously we don't know for sure one way or not, if that's going to happen, we're going to find out, you know, I think by Wednesday, um, whether he shows up for camp or if right. he holds out, you know, mm -hmm. some sort of decision needs to be made by him in the next few days. But yep. um, Vegas usually um, is kind of more trustworthy to me when these types of things are going on than yep. a standard beat reporter, Schefter type pundit. Mm -hmm. um, Vegas doesn't like to give away free money, so they want to be ahead of these types of things. I'm sure they have inside sources just as connected as Adam Schefter, even more sure. so. So I don't think this is something we can ignore. Um, as far as how do we deal with this in, as dynasty managers, I think the simple answer is, um, it, I guess it kind of depends on who you're talking about. If it's Rodgers... If anything, I'm trying to buy on this news because, yep. yes, there's a possibility he retires, but I don't think he's never playing again, even well, if that I, is the case. Can I step in? Because yeah. I think it's I think it's very important to hone in on exactly what Vegas did here, because you, you put it perfectly. Vegas doesn't like to give away money. And my thinking on this initially, right when it broke, was, OK, they know something pretty definitively is going to happen on, on Aaron Rodgers. And then I really started thinking about it. Vegas isn't here to sort of help betters not lose their own money. They, you know, they don't they don't want to give away money. They want to make money. Yeah, so they're mitigating is, their own risk. What, well, but so why not just move the lines? Why not move the lines ahead of time on this inside information and have people then go, oh, my gosh, they moved the Packers way down the pecking order in terms of playoff odds. I'm going to put money on the Packers now. If they knew definitively, I figure I feel like that's the move they actually would have made. Does that make sense? By freezing the number, essentially, or freezing the bets, they yeah, essentially put up their palms and said the same thing the rest of us have said. We don't know. We don't want to take any action 
because we actually don't know. It's a true 50-50. But they also know enough that they're not confident placing a line because they don't want someone else that may know more to be way on the right side and have just an easy money wager. When the Sharps can get their hands on a broken line, they're going to hammer the hell out of it financially. So um, there's a lot of factors that go in here. Um, I just think reading between the lines, I think there's enough smoke here to where we, I'd actually be more surprised if Aaron Rodgers plays for the Packers again than not. And that's my thinking, too. Um, It just sort of, as I sort of went down this rabbit hole, it's like, well, if Vegas knew for sure, they they obviously don't. Because I think if they knew for sure and they could move the Packers to, you know, middle of the pack in the NFC North with sort of middle of the pack odds to make the Super Bowl or the NFC champ, if they knew for sure, that's what they would have done. Yeah. And if they knew for sure, it wouldn't stay a secret for very long. Correct. Yes, absolutely. So um, that's sort of the Vegas side of things. How do you... I guess, how do you uh, equate the Devontae Adams news that kind of broke on the very same day, actually that morning, uh, that him and the Packers have broke off long-term contract talks? Are those two things connected, um, or is it just coincidence that they sort of came on the same day? Well, clearly Rodgers fed information to someone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Devontae Adams breaking off talks, I think it's probably smart of him to not want to be on a sinking ship if he knows Rodgers (laughs) is going to do whatever it takes to get out of Dodge. Things are going to get messy in Green Bay, and I don't think Adams feels any sense of urgency to lock himself up there for another four or five years. Get he's still going to make money this year. He's you know may have to play under the franchise tag the following year, but he at least affords himself some flexibility mm-hmm. while we mm-hmm. wait this thing out. So um, I think Devontae is going to be playing in Green Bay this year, unless they just completely say screw it, we're going to unload them both and build you know kind of do a soft rebuild real quick, but. Um, that's just more smoke. Um, I think he knows something too. And I think he knows that Aaron Rodgers is going to do whatever he has to do to get out of town to get out of town. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, how about the rest of the offense here? Are you, well, actually let's, before we go to the rest of the offense, let's talk about Jordan love. Um, my take here on, on love is that in Superflex, if I could still buy at 105% of what he, what he cost a couple weeks ago, I might do it. Um, but in single quarterback, until we find out news, I think I'm actually going to go shoot some offers out where I give up Jordan Love because I think uh, in single quarterback, still the odds for this to all sort of perfectly align and and where he's useful, especially in some of the shallower format FFPC leagues I'm in, it still is you're still really trying to thread the needle. But I right. think in Superflex now, you know, he has first round draft capital. That alone is essentially going to guarantee that we see him as a starting quarterback at some point, whether that's sure. this year, next year, for another team, whatever. We're going to see Jordan Love start eight to ten games at the very minimum uh, for an NFL organization. So I think in Superflex on this news, if you if you like Jordan Love, if you believe in the talent, as I did last year, I've, I've copped to maybe one of the biggest misses since I've been in the industry is having Jordan Love over Justin Herbert. And that was largely because I was a big fan of love, not so much that I was, uh, you know, di- that I disliked Herbert. However, I, I'm just saying if you were in that camp that said Jordan Love has at the very least high end potential, I don't think he's shown us anything to believe that he's not potentially going to still be that guy. So I would be going investing before we finally figure out, as you said, you've got less than probably six days. By Wednesday, we're going to know much more definitively what Rogers' plan is. 
um, and how you can move forward. So I think the window here for Jordan Love in Superflex is short. I would go make an offer or two if you believe in the talent, as I do for sure, and I'm not sure. Maybe you could give your two cents on on Love and what you thought of him as a prospect coming into the league. Yeah, I wasn't nearly as high on him as you, um, but I did see a lot of raw physical tools. And you're right, unless he's like Christian Hackenberg bad, he's going to (laughs) get an opportunity. So um, I'm not so sure he's the week one starter if Rodgers is gone, though. Uh, A lot of people seem to think Blake Bortles will get the first look. And and that that may be pretty damning for Jordan Love. So unfortunately, we don't have a a ton of time to kind of sort this thing out if there's something imminent with Rodgers. But I think I'm with you. I would still buy in Superflex and single quarterback is just not that relevant yet to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I mean, if you like him, then buy, I guess, but it's, it, I don't think he's going to be, you know, a top 20 quarterback this year. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's teams out there that have Derek Carr as their starting quarterback. I think there's at least certain teams yeah. you could get interested in the upside of a guy like Jordan Love. And like I said, because, you know, the, the ability for the asset to grow in super or in single quarterback as he takes the job, he really has to be productive that on top of it all. That's why just on the news, I might go shoot some offers. And in fact, he's been one of my highest bought players in the off season here. So I probably will go send out some Jordan love offers and I'll get back to you guys next week. Uh, so we got a couple other smaller bits of news here. Uh, Viking signed DD Westbrook kind of just to add some depth to the wide receiver core. Uh, certainly was a player with talent with a lot of, you know, sort of, big fans coming out of that that first year he had there in Jacksonville uh injuries and sort of Jacksonville in general have sort of derailed that but you know maybe there's something there and I think maybe the bigger news Anthony Miller finally gets out of Chicago he's headed to the Houston Texans really no news there because I think we both think Houston's pass offense could potentially be pretty abysmal um, I think really the big news there is is that there's nobody now in front of Darnell Mooney aside from Allen Robinson and so um, I think if you've been like the two of us have been, that Darnell Mooney is massively undervalued in Dynasty. Um, you know, I hate this expression, but I'll but I'll use it. Wheels up for Darnell Mooney. I really believe that this year. He's a, a supremely talented route runner, and I think a guy that fits. It's the perfect yin to Allen Robinson's yang. And with Justin Fields there, I think the, the sky's kind of the limit for, for Mooney. A great pick by the uh, Bears late in the draft. We're going to get to the team uh previews here in a second we've got the new orleans saints we got the baltimore ravens uh we got the patriots and we got the falcons we didn't really pick a theme this week just kind of some teams we wanted to talk about and there's a little bit of news to kind of lead us into our first team here uh so you got the new orleans saints that was your team that you picked and the news that literally broke this morning is that uh post uh surgery mike thomas may need 12 to 16 weeks yeah uh, here for that ankle which is obviously again a huge blow for fantasy lineups um, obviously something that we're going to have to watch through the first probably month of the season. I mean, uh, a three to four month timetable puts him pretty much well past the PUP date even. So, um, something you're going to have to deal with potentially into the season and, and, you know, obviously a big blow for the saints. Let's just start there. How does, if, if Michael Thomas is not in this offense, how does it change a, how they have to operate and B maybe how you're valuing different assets here in this offense? Yeah, this team is probably one of the the hardest teams to put the puzzle pieces together sure. right now because there's so many variables. You got the quarterback variable that I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll talk about more in depth between Jameis and Taysom. Um, this it's going to be a totally different offense depending on who wins this quarterback job, right? Well, so, can I step in there for a second? Yeah. 
I sort of wonder, and I would love your take on this, does the Michael Thomas injury change that whole dynamic? I look at it and I say, this is a Saints team that with Michael Thomas was already lacking sort of tertiary weapons. Obviously, Mike Thomas, Alvin Kamara, you're talking about a very narrow group of players that get big volume in this offense. And then it's kind of spread across Traquan Smith and Deontay Harris and Adam Troutman and Josh Hill and, and Latavius Murray. What I'm wondering is, is at this point behind Alvin Kamara, is Taysom Hill their second best offensive weapon? And the more I think about it, the more I sort of feel like, yeah, getting him out in the flats, figuring out a way to get him the ball, handing him the ball on jet sweep, that might be one of their more valuable offensive pieces. And so I wonder how the ability to play Taysom as an H-back, as a tight end, as a wide receiver, as a running back, how that potentially changes this quarterback value or uh, battle. And if it doesn't sort of lean them towards putting Jameis Winston on the field, they're now down a starter in Michael Thomas. By playing Taysom at quarterback, you're eliminating another potential starter in Jameis Winston. You just the cupboard gets very bare very quick in New Orleans, and I wonder if that's not going to that's that's not going to be at least a component in who wins this job. Yeah, I'd love to disagree with you, but I think you're really onto something there. Um, it's probably not great radio to just always agree, <laughs> but uh, I think you you're had re- really sound logic, um, I, and I hadn't really thought about it that way. But you're right. Um, the cupboard is very bare. I have some, there are some Traquan Smith supporters out there. I know a few people that like Deontay Harris, but let's be honest. These aren't more than just a, you know, a a small little nice little guy. Yeah. Yeah, they, They can't lead the offense. Yeah, absolutely. So I think if you were hoping for clarity on this quarterback position, if one guy was just going to be the outright QB and the other guy was just going to be your prototypical backup, I Mm -hmm. think, the chances of that being very clear cut are probably dead. Um, I think you're right. Jameis, um, in in a weird way, I think this does actually help his chances of being the, the starting quarterback. But, yeah, Taysom Hill is not going to disappear. He's going to be heavily involved in this offense, certainly. So yeah. how you value him now becomes very tricky. Does he regain some sort of flex eligibility, right. if you will? I sure hope not. Um, <laughs> it, it's just such a mess for fantasy purposes. If if you can start him at tight end, like this, yes. I don't know. ESPN can't screw it up again next year. If if you want to give him tight end eligibility, um, you got to make sure he's not your starting quarterback. You know, correct? Yeah, no, they they dropped the ball on that one last year. What I will say is. I think in super flex, it becomes a little less important. What does he play? Obviously, because you could start him in that flex spot if he was, you know, valuable enough. But I think he does probably, you know, assuming Jameis wins this job, he's going to earn either dual eligibility or he's going to earn tight end eligibility. I really believe that. And so we might be back in this same boat next year. Um, If if your scoring settings allow you to start him at tight end, I guess I can't really hate on anybody other than just that league in general and the scoring settings set up. Uh, Jameis Winston. Assuming he wins the job, can he be productive with these weapons? That's really the the bigger question. I think he will win this job. My question is, with no Michael Thomas, what? I mean, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, you put Marquez Callaway and little Jordan Humphrey. I mean, none of these guys are are even above average. They're average best players. I just I really worry about this offense uh, or really this passing game. Yeah, I think this team is not going to be good. Um, <laughs> let's just put it. I mean, they do have, 
you know, a lot of high-end talent on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. like you said, the depth is gone. They, they put themselves into some real cap issues, and they're starting to finally have to pay the piper on this. So yep. um, one injury to Michael Thomas all of a sudden, this, you know, this offense looked like it could still be, you know, somewhat interesting. And now, the it, league. Yeah. now it's, I don't know if I could come up with five teams that are going to be more or less efficient than they are. Certainly more devoid of talent. I do still have some amount of faith that Sean Payton is very good at his job and that he's going to scheme some guys open. um, And maybe that the sum of the pieces are going to be greater than sort of the individual parts. However, I mean, yeah, big, really big hit for this offense across the board. I think maybe the one winner, really, whether it's Jameis or whether it's Taysom, now that Thomas is out, is Latavius Murray. I think he's becoming more of a especially in best ball leagues, um, you know, in leagues where you're looking for a serviceable RB2, especially in some softer matchups. Uh, I think Latavius Murray is going to, uh, man, we had such high expectations for him as a Raider. But at the end of the day, when you look at what he's done for his career now in fantasy, he's actually been a fairly reliable, uh, fairly usable asset. And I think we're going to see more of that here in 2021. Yeah, I agree. I think he's way too undervalued in the recent startups I've done. Um, yep. I've even done a few like redraft drafts, and he's basically been forgotten about, and I don't quite see why. I think yep. they're going to have to use Alvin Kamara almost exclusively as a receiving option yep. this year. Um, Latavius Murray is going to get a lot of touches, and he's going to score touchdowns. He's going to be a valuable, at least for 2021, fantasy asset, and he's kind of fallen um, out of you know, draftable range in many formats. And I just don't quite understand it. Um, Another guy that we haven't even said his name yet, um, Adam Troutman. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about Troutman? I know you are um, probably one of the bigger Troutman supporters. I know Um, they spent like four draft picks to get up (laughs) and get them. There's really no competition at this tight end position. I threw Nick Vanette on our show sheet just to indicate that, yes, they do have another tight end, but not Mm -hmm. really one we need to care about. Um, Michael Thomas um, was going to get, you know, people like to joke and call him slant boy. um, (laughs) A lot of the short routes, but I think that's going to, a lot of his targets aren't going to go to Traquan Smith and whoever else. I think Adam Troutman's volume will likely increase based on this. Do you think he's ready? Man, I just did his uh, tight end film study, actually, this week. Oh, uh, I don't have the numbers right up in front of me, and I wouldn't probably give them to you anyways because I want that to be something you go check out on Dynasty Nerds when it comes out. However, uh, pretty efficient, frankly, for uh, the amount of work he got. That was really the problem. He's going to be a hard eval because I think he ran – uh, let me just get the numbers up here. Why, why don't I just do that here? Um, Elevator um, music. Um, yeah, I'm in the wrong. Sorry, I'm in the wrong folder <laughs> That's here. Right. Adam Troutman, got to move your face out of the way so I can see the numbers here. So yeah, ran just about eight, 83 routes total. So not a ton of routes. However, uh, caught pretty much everything that was thrown his direction in the in the games that I saw. Um, really was used primarily as a blocker for, for New Orleans. Uh, I am charting blocking snaps. I haven't actually pounded those numbers together yet. However, that was a, a, the major portion of what he did for the Saints and was really actually fantastic doing it. And one of the better blocking tight ends I have seen. Now, that doesn't score you fantasy points. However, I think it's going to put him on the field at 90%. I mean, you mentioned how, how limited the depth chart is. 
Um, you know, I think it's going to put him on the field pretty much every snap. And frankly, that's the first step in being a good tight end. We've talked a lot about how sort of pedestrian, if maybe that's the right word, we've sort of thought TJ Hawkinson is, that he's a very average player. However, he's always out there on the field. And because of that, and because of the targets he gets in the offense he plays in, he manages to finish in that tight end eight range every year. And so uh, I think that's going to be who Troutman really is. I don't see a major high upside. Um, pretty limited with the movement skills. Did not test particularly well coming out. Um, a big portion of why I liked him so much coming out was because of what the uh, the Saints did signal to us, which you mentioned, by uh, trading a bunch of picks for him. Is he ready? No, but no tight end really is. So let's kind of see. I actually think his draft value has frankly been a little bit more inflated than it probably should be. Just sort okay. of on the notion of we don't really know. It's sort of that shiny new toy syndrome. So um, is he ready? No, he's not ready. But uh, I think he's going to be competent for fantasy, probably a, a top end tight end too. Right on. Well, I think we've beaten this uh, this horse to death. Uh, which one of your two teams would you like to start with, Falcons or Patriots? Yeah, I think we can get through the Falcons pretty quick because so, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you really about any of these teams is kind of, you know, who's maybe the most underrated player or, or undervalued player in Dynasty and who's the most overvalued player in Dynasty. I think that's going to be pretty easy uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. I Maybe you'll disagree with me on this, but I think Matt Ryan is amongst maybe the most undervalued players in all of Superflex. I don't see why he could not put up stats similar to Matt Stafford. I get why everybody's very excited about Stafford. Yeah. But when you look at sort of their age and their production ceilings, I don't know that it's all that different. And you you get Ryan at a 8, 10-round discount in Superflex drafts to compared to Ryan. And so I think he's pretty easily the most undervalued Falcon here. I think, you know, if you can go target him for a contender – uh, even as your quarterback three, him and Ryan Fitzpatrick are kind of those targets that I'm looking to go um, acquire for those types of teams. Kyle Pitts is the other guy. And I don't want to, you know, we've kind of talked about this pretty much all offseason. Frankly, through the draft process, we talked about the fact that this guy might get a little bit overvalued based on, you know, draft pedigree and sort of people getting excited, saying things like you're getting Travis Kelsey at, you know, 104 in your rookie draft. He seems severely overpriced to me. I've seen him go in the second and third rounds here of startups. Um, but at the same time, I, I do get it. I just, I want to, I'm going to keep hammering this. You're going to hear me say this week one. You're going to hear me say this week four, week six, week eight. You're in it for the long haul here, guys. He could break out year one. Absolutely, it's a possibility. But if you spent capital, if you spent high capital on Kyle Pitts, be prepared to hold for two years at the very least before right. you can even consider getting out of what you paid because you are you've essentially valued a player at his ceiling and you know i don't see a good way out anytime soon i don't think he's a guy you can go target even in a trade nobody's really looking to give him up they spent so much to get him um so kyle pitts i think is maybe the most overvalued dynasty asset pretty much across the board at any position right now um, do you have a severe diff, severely different take on either ryan or pitts being overvalued or undervalued no, I think you're right on the money for both. And um, I just was in a couple of redraft, uh, you know, well, startups, the wrong word, because it's just a redraft. But I did a couple of slow draft redraft drafts, and it, it it was a tight end premium league. And I saw Kyle Pitts go in the first round of a redraft Ooh. league. Like, the the hype is 
beyond reasonable. So I, I think if you're on that side, you, I mean, you, when have we seen a rookie tight end be worth anywhere near that? It just doesn't happen. I don't care if yeah. he is a unicorn, if he is going to be the next Tony Gonzalez. Like it, it's yep. probably, it's probably not going to happen to the extent you hope it is this year. So you're going to see me making a lot of trade offers for Kyle Pitts 12 Correct. months from now. You're not yep. going to see me acquiring Kyle Pitts in very many formats this year. No, absolutely not. Uh, let's move this on to Calvin Ridley. I think he's one of the more interesting dynasty players here. Obviously, you know, big numbers last year. I believe he finished wide receiver four, depending on your format. Uh, I know he was third in yardage at the wide receiver position last year. So obviously a fantastic season. Julio Jones has now moved on. Um, Calvin Ridley, supremely talented route runner, actually a much better contested catch player than I sort of, you know, remember or sort of maybe, you know, you would think of for a player his size. If you're a dynasty contender, would you give up, let's say your rookie draft has already happened, would you be willing to pay maybe not that top echelon of rookie wide receiver, the Waddle, the Smith, especially Jamar Chase, but would you be willing to maybe give up an Elijah Moore or a Rondell Moore plus a first if you're really contending this year and, and going out and getting Ridley? Um, I was kind of trying to think of price. That's sort of where I settled in on maybe what I would pay. What are your thoughts on that price? Would you buy as a contender for that? Would you sell as a rebuild for that? Kind of what are your thoughts on maybe his price um, and what you're doing with him in Dynasty? Yeah, I think that's uh, a price I would be on the buyer side of more often than not. I've always been a Ridley supporter. I always thought he was not quite as respected as he deserved to be based on being second fiddle to Julio. And yes, I'm a little concerned with Julio gone, um, how that affects him. But I I think he showed that he's capable of performing with or without Julio alongside him. I, I still believe in Ridley. I know he's a little bit older than people think for his experience because I think he came into the league a little bit older. He did. But at the same time, I I think there's still plenty good runway in the dynasty window that we're looking at that two to three years. I, I, I would buy at that price. Yeah. I think that's why I bring it up as more of a contender buy. Um, just because he is, you know, he's similar to Terry McLaurin, came into the league at 23 as opposed to 21. And so, you know, the age cliff is coming sooner than maybe we expect. I think one thing I talk a lot about is, is talent over opportunity. And I say that, you know, over and over again, that we're not chasing volume. We're chasing talent because talent ultimately, uh, leads to volume. I think the one thing that I I can say at the same time is saying talent is over volume is not the same as saying talent matters 100% and volume does not matter. I think Calvin Ridley is one of these rare examples of the volume and the talent matching so well that it's almost short of an injury. I think it's almost impossible that he doesn't finish top eight at the wide receiver position. And I think that's, I mean, that's a pretty safe bet to, you know, if you can go buy top eight wide receiver production for really what amounts to a pair of firsts or an early second and a first, Uh, That's absolutely a price I'd pay. And frankly, as a rebuilder, I think I would be more interested in if I could get into the rookie class from last year at the wide receiver position, if you could give me uh, Chase Claypool in a first. I think that's more of where I'd be looking to sell as a rebuilder, Jerry Judy in a first. Those are the type of moves. Yeah, right. Michael, Michael Pittman, another great example. Absolutely in a first. That's sort of maybe more of where I'd be looking as a rebuilder, that being said, if somebody shot me Elijah Moore and a first-round pick for Kadarius Tony, and I wasn't in a position to go contend this year, 
Uh, I'd have to, at the very least, give it some consideration. Uh, let's touch on the running back position real quick. We got to keep it moving here. Uh, Mike Davis, JV is obviously, you know, they paid him money to be the starter. He's the guy with the profile that sort of, you know, sets up to be, frankly, a bell call back for this team. Is there a second back in Atlanta that you want to own in, let's say, 30 or more shallow than that roster leagues? Well, the guy that I kind of feel like could find himself into a role, you don't even have listed, and I'm sure a lot of sites don't even list him as a running back. I think Cordero Patterson, if something were to happen to Mike Davis, could find his way great, into meaningful touches. It's a great nugget. Javion Hawkins doesn't do much for me. He's just nah, way too either. small, and yep. I, I don't know much about Quadre Olsen to be Honest. Yeah, I mean, if you're into Javian Hawkins, you know, you're hoping that he can be Tariq Cohen, which is got such a, you know, limited, you know, ceiling on on who he, who he can be. Um, yeah. I know he was fun to watch at Louisville. I don't expect a lot out of him. You're probably right. I mean, that'd be the name to at least put on a watch list would be Cordero Patterson, because uh, we're both still suckers or gluttons for punishment, one or the other for Cordero. <laughs> so uh, I like that take. Uh, let's move it on to uh, your second team, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, where do you want to start here? Um, you know, I I, I kind of chose this team without like a real like big hot take. It was just I kind of wanted to talk about how I think that I'm kind of over the moon for this team just in general <laughs> right now. I think every yeah. single player on this list minus some of the deeper wide receiver names that I threw on there just sure, for yeah. whatever. But I think most of these guys are probably values for me right now. I haven't always been team Lamar as a dynasty asset and I'm really starting to kind of change my mind on him. I know I, I I've, I've strayed away from rushing dependent quarterbacks in the yeah. past, just because I I'm worried about the maybe too far away from now. Um, yeah. And, four years from now, right? Yeah, yeah. And why do I really care about what's going to happen five years from now, four years from now? Like, I know Lamar Jackson is going to be a damn good fantasy quarterback. We thought he had a down year last year, and he was still, you know, a mm-hmm. pretty damn good fantasy quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think with the additions that they made at the wide receiver position in Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins, Tylen Wallace, they're acknowledging that they were a little bit broken last year as far as just play design, play calling, just ratios, all that. I think we're looking at an uptick in Lamar Jackson with league winning running potential alongside it. I think if anyone's going to unseat Patrick Mahomes as the QB one, Lamar Jackson's the guy I would bet on. Yeah, no, I like that take a lot. And I think, too often we've, you know, we've seen a few seasons from Lamar. Uh, he's not been particularly efficient passing, even though the arm talent is is actually pretty dang elite for sure. Arm strength, if not ball placement, on top of it all, it's always been sort of can he get through progressions fast enough? Can he do it right. while you know stepping up in the pocket instead of booting out and taking off? Um, all questions that need to be answered. But I think you look at the additions that this offense has made. You mentioned Bateman, Sammy Watkins. Uh, I think they're going to try to let him be a little bit more of a passer. And I think, you know, comparative to what he was as, as a prospect, I think the, the the best comp anybody could or, you know, has made is Michael Vick. The throwing motion is the same. The arm talent and athleticism is nearly the same. I think Vick was a couple pounds heavier. But at the end of the day, I think if you look in retrospect back at Vick's career, 
I think a lot of people would say the same things that they're saying about Lamar Jackson. The best years are going to be early on, uh, you know, when he can run and when he's this dynamic athlete. And then what did we see? Actually, it was the year in Philadelphia under Andy Reid when he was a 33-year-old that he actually went ballistic when he finally understood the passing game. And I think, right. so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's always this floor of quarterback six because of where the running keeps him. I think that there, you know, there is unlimited upside, even beyond what he did in the MVP season, uh, to be, you know, a transcendent player, at least in a, you know, short area, you know, short, you know, span of time. I think that's within the range of outcomes for Lamar. And I don't think people are giving um, that scenario, uh, you know, as much of a weight as they possibly should be. Um, Running backs here. J.K. Dobbins obviously flashed a lot as a rookie, took a while for him to get uh, largely involved and take a big share. But when we did see him, he was very, very good. Gus Edwards got a, um, I believe, a multi-year extension, if not just an extension through 2022, uh, to be the second back there. I love both of these guys. Frankly, we talked about Daryl Henderson earlier as my, this was the guy that if I let RB2 sort of be the position I was willing to be weak at in a startup, he was the guy I was hammering. Gus Edwards was number two on that list. So I'm still pretty excited. What are your thoughts on this backfield? Yeah, I, I'm buying both of them at their current price. I think enough people are worried about Gus Edwards to make J.K. Dobbins a value, but I think J.K. Dobbins being there um, hurts Gus Edwards' value enough to where he's a value at his talent. So yep. um, I'm buying either of them regardless of whether or not I think I can get the other one. I think they're both independently very good values right now. Um that's that's a Sorry, good go point. Ahead. I don't think that they're they're not handcuffed players, in my opinion. Yeah. They're both independently valuable assets, regardless of you own one or the other. I think that's yeah, an important point to make. And I think they're kind of a you know a bit of a strange compliment where um I think Dobbins probably profiles a little bit better long term as a receiving option, but yep, yep. quite frankly, he's not like a guy that we saw that as a huge strength for him but Gus Edwards actually graded out better than him as a receiver last year and and Dobbins graded out better as a pass blocker so the third down roll I think will almost certainly go to Dobbins but I wouldn't be shocked if Gus Edwards and Dobbins almost are kind of handled somewhat similarly to the way the Rams handled their backfield last Uh year where it's Uh give a guy a series yeah. let the other guy rest, and then rotate them in throughout the game. That's yeah. kind of the way I see this heading. So I see touchdown upside for both of them. I see receiving upside for both of them. I think you're going to get kind of a mini bell cow approach in-game to both players. It's kind of the way I see this playing out. Absolutely. Dobbins is a hard buy, in my opinion. I've got him all the way up to RB8 at this point. Frankly, he jumped right over Cam Akers, or essentially that was how he got up to eight. Uh, just very recently, obviously, I think he's a tough player to go pry away from somebody. Gus Edwards, on the other hand, much easier. If you're a contending team, would you give your hypothetically late second round pick to go acquire Gus Edwards right now if RB2 was your weakness? I've been making these types of trades all offseason. Oh, I, I, Gus Edwards on a lot of my teams right now. Yeah, I know you sniped me in one of our, our recent uh, startup drafts and, and took him right in front of me. So I was bummed about that. So uh you got anything else on on baltimore here before we move on uh just wanted to say i believe in mark andrews um i don't think his season last year was as disappointing as people make it out to be he was basically as efficient as he was two years ago Uh there was just a little less 
volume. So I expect a, you know, a full bounce back for Mark Andrews, if you will. And I don't think he's going to be relied on for as much of the top coverage defensively. I think this sure. offense has gotten more balanced enough to the point where I think his efficiency will rise and is, you know, all, all good things. So I'm, I'm back in on Mark Andrews as well. Yeah, but I think Rashad Bateman year one has a chance to be a top 36 receiver, and I think that's where we'll leave it. We'll move on to the New England Patriots, uh, kind of my second team here. Uh, obviously, you know, they took Mac Jones with the 15 overall pick, so you're going to have a little bit of a quarterback controversy there uh, in training camps. So something to be watching. They spent big money in free agency to bring some skill position players in. I'm not sure how well they spent the money, but we'll have to find <laughs> out, Bill. Uh, Bill and that organization seem to get a lot of credit just based on the winning and track record they have, and that's deserved. However, obviously some puzzling, head-scratching decisions here. Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry all brought in to sort of fill the void, you know, voidless, you know, skill position players that they had last year. Uh, Damian Williams, uh, Damian Williams, Damian Harris, excuse me, still is entrenched, I think, as the RB1. Uh, but they did draft Ramondre Stevenson, a player we're both uh, really very excited about, I think. At least that's, that's where I stand. I think he fits what this offense wants to do perfectly. Um, let's start with the quarterback position. What are your expectations? Now, I, I know you're you're being asked to predict the future here, but what are your expectations for what New England will do? Do you believe Cam can be the starter or will be the starter? And if he is, is he fantasy viable? Um, or will they go with Mac sooner in the season? What are your thoughts sort of on how this plays out? I've been real wishy-washy on this. Um, I've changed <laughs> my mind several times. I I still lean towards Cam Newton starts week one and gets a chance. Um, yep. I, I don't believe he will succeed, unfortunately. So I think um, with how different this offense is going to be, if I had to bet on what the most likely – outcome for this year would be is cam newton starts until the bye week and then it goes to mac jones for the rest of the year yeah i think that's that's where i'm leaning now too i know i talked a lot about in the offseason how different obviously these two quarterbacks are um and how much of it how different the offense would look with one you know one under center and the other one uh you know in the pistol or whatever use whatever phrase you want uh I'm starting to believe that they can walk and chew gum at the same time, that they can, you know, install a Cam Newton offense that's potentially the best way to go win games weeks one through four while still implementing the Mac Jones offense on the side in practice. Um, I do think that they can do both. That being said, I'm with you. I don't think that there's any way Cam Newton starts and finishes this season. I've seen him, frankly, being bought up pretty, you know, extensively by contenders or teams that are in super flex and really need a QB, too. I'm at this point pretty much out on Cam Newton. I don't own any shares. If I did, I would be, you know, shopping pretty aggressively. If you did own a share, what would you take for Cam? Um, I would get it done in super flex. I would instead of targeting the pick, I would target. Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond. Ooh, I love that. That is a great take. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a great way to think of this. Yeah. Because this you're going to be that number, you know, that second round pick could be literally any position. But when you're asking somebody to go from, no, I think that's a great point. That's, that's, that's a good idea. Well, and sometimes those picks hold more value than have until you're actually on the clock. So if I'm yeah. asking for someone's second round pick, like they don't know, like, um, exactly who's there. So it, it, I think you can get that same value if you 
define the exact player and you know i mean yeah second round picks what i would do but i think if you want something a little more specific i would just try and get that quarterback that's not a quarterback yet but a talent that i like so if you like davis mills same advice sure no absolutely that's it that's a fantastic piece of advice there i think kind of the the whole offense frank i was going to say the rest of the offense but really we just talked to the same thing at quarterback it's really this either or sort of scenario uh, you know, they bring in Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. Which one of them is going to be value for fantasy? Are they both going to be valuable? What can you expect there? Do you have a preference? Um, is there one you're targeting? How do you see them fitting with maybe each of the individual quarterbacks? I think my preference either way is Johnny Smith, but I do okay. kind of like them both. Um, I'm not afraid. One doesn't make me afraid of the other. I think yep. they're so drastically different of a player that mm-hmm. um, there's no reason they can't both have big roles um, independently of each other. I wouldn't be shocked to see Johnny Smith getting goal line carries in this offense. Yeah. I, I think they could be a little bit more creative with him and Cam Newton running some weird pistol stuff, motion, yep. all that stuff. But um, John is such a freak athlete. Um, I think he in a weird way, maybe benefits more from Cam, but I think he could still be plenty used. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think he as well. Yeah, I think you're right about, you know, Cam Newton and, and him being more useful. I think you can use him in a variety of ways. Uh, for a while, the fantasy community now has been trying to sort of recreate Aaron Hernandez, not the person, but the, the player yeah. that we saw on Sundays. I think Johnny was the closest thing, frankly, that we've really kind of seen to him coming into the league and, and a guy that, that is so good after the catch, so good with the ball in his hands. He's kind of like an oversized uh, running back or fullback even. Yeah. Um, I've mentioned in the past, there's a couple times when you see him break away into open space, you just immediately that you see that Tennessee Jersey, big guy running into open space. You go, Oh, there goes Derrick Henry again. Right. And then you realize, Oh wow, that's Johnny Smith. He is an incredible athlete. I think you're right in the Cam Newton offense. I think he's the guy technically that I want. But that's not to say that I don't want Hunter Henry. And then I think it switches as you get Mac Jones, because I think there's a little bit more nuance uh, to Hunter Henry's game, a little bit more just traditional Y sort of value where you can line him up, put his hand in the dirt. He can take yep. on DNs. You don't need to start him in motion to get him a running start. You know, that's kind of a problem I've noticed with Irv Smith. He's very good when you can get him moving into a block. But when you ask him to just put his hand in the dirt and block somebody, he kind of gets thrown around. So. I think that's sort of where I'm at. I think both are probably a little bit undervalued in Dynasty. I see them going about, you know, tight end 15, 16 off boards, and I think they should probably be going right at the back end of that tight end one range. So uh, two guys that I'm in on. How about the wide receivers? Do you have a preference? And let's say you did. Let's say you were really high on one or the other. Can either of them even top top 36? Can they even crack that area of wide receiver scoring? Nah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm out. I don't no, know. Okay. Probably not. So there's I'm not yeah. not any of these guys. I mean, you got anything else on New England here? I I think we've pretty much covered all the bases. Uh, well, Damian Harris. Yeah. I know there's still a lot of truthers out there. Do you believe? The camp buzz indicates that he's light years ahead of the other two. So yeah. um, I guess I'll take the reporting on that. I'm. My take here on the backfield is I'm buying Ramondi Stevenson in the yep. third and fourth round of my rookie drafts, and I'm otherwise not really investing. Um, mm-hmm. 
But I don't dislike Damian Harris. I just dislike owning Patriots running backs for the most part. <laughs> so maybe it's some personal bias. Um, he did kind of impress me a little bit last year. Same. Um, I think if Mac Jones wins this job, the running back position here becomes a little bit more interesting because they're not going to get vultured as much by right. Ken Newton yep. in the red zone. So if, if whoever wins this job, if there is a tr- traditional winner, I, I don't necessarily expect that. But there will be some interest for me if Mac Jones is a quarterback. Yeah, he's, uh, Damian Harris quite efficient last year, actually. You know, I think the thing that he really impressed me is there's a lot more burst and straight line speed than I sort of imagined um, of him coming out of college out of, out of Alabama there. Uh, not a lot of lateral ability, you know, cutting and, and changing right. direction. That being said, I think, you know, you're looking at a really good offensive line. You're looking at a team that, you know, knows how to play uh, sound concept based football. And I think there's going to be some running lanes and with that burst and with that straight line speed, he can really exploit it. Uh, the part I will say is, you know, this news has got Damian Harris bubbling up a little bit by little bit in ADP. Yeah, that's it's probably not, true. It's not changing his trade value, I don't think. I've I've been through this uh, three years now. Nobody actually wants to go trade for Damian Harris. So I wonder if maybe actually in startups I'm kind of out because he's going much closer to like Trey Sermon, Daryl Henry, kind of in that weird sort of running back dead zone where I'm not quite investing. And at the same time, I don't think that that the trade value doesn't necessarily match the startup value. So sort of out in startups, I might go make some offers uh, in some existing leagues because I know as a Damian Harris owner what the offers usually look like. I think you make a a fair offer even and you're going to get somebody's ear pricked up or ears pricked up. So uh, that's something that I might go try. Yeah, you call that the running back dead zone. I like to call it the running back desperation. <laughs> zone startup drafts when you get those three or four teams that waited a little too yeah. long and they get sniped on David Montgomery and all of a sudden yep. they're just like screw value I need somebody that could yep. potentially start and then you see some crazy reaches so yep. yeah Absolutely. you're probably right the best acquisition point is probably via trade not startup for a guy like that Absolutely. I like that. The desperation zone. The dead zone has actually quite gotten quite popular. I hear it on a lot of different podcasts, but I kind of like that. The desperation zone. If you find yourself in that position, just wait three rounds. The, the players you're going to get are going to be exactly the same talent wise. And that's, yeah, yeah. I, I see that a lot in drafts of people who I get really excited about their start because it's clear they're not focused on running back. And then in the fifth round, then they go and draft Zach Moss. And it's like, oh my gosh, man. You were on the right track, and then you blew it with, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? So, Oh, yeah. All right. Definitely. Well, I think that's uh, that's all I got on the Patriots, unless you had something else you wanted to touch on. Uh, no. They are going to be bad, but interesting. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about, uh, about training camp starting. The week uh, we got upcoming is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, we're going to be at TCO on Saturday, so we'll have reports back from that uh, on, on our Sunday show next week and uh, preseason starting up right after that. So football is right around the corner. It's it's time to get excited. It's time to start uh, maybe looking at some trades and leagues. If you've been a little less active during the offseason, now's the time. Go get after it. We got, you know, about a month, month and a half until we're going to need to be setting lineups and it's going to be the full grind. So uh, go use your time well now. Absolutely. Uh, have a good week, everyone. And next week's show, I will have a new game that I'm coming up with that Josh doesn't even know about. So um, check us out. Should be that fun. That he's terrified about, by the way. I, we, you, 
you know, you're not giving me a lot of information here, and I'm just it's <laughs> making me both nervous and anxious. So uh, it'll I be better if you don't know anything. Well, that's yeah, that's what you keep saying, but I, it keeps making me more and more anxious. So, <laughs> All right. uh, but yeah, we'll see everybody next week. Thank you very much for listening. Please hit subscribe. You can find either of us on Twitter at Nasty Newts, uh, N E U T Z. I am at Dynasty Oasis. Hit us up there uh, if you just want to talk fantasy. Otherwise, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye bye.